We are over in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, but we are going to pick up at verse 1 and just read the previous verses. A little bit of a review here. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. So not only don't do it, not only don't be accused of it, don't let it even be named among you. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And we spend time looking over what each of those things was. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God has come upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. So there are things we have to do to find out what is acceptable to the Lord. Sometimes people just go along and they assume, well, God likes this or God wants this. or No, we, there might be a discovery part in there. But with that, he leads us into verse 11. The last time we were looking at the becoming partakers with them, for you were once darkness, he said. One time we walked in darkness, but now we are of the light. So we are to walk as children of the light. Don't be walking as those people that were in dark or that are in darkness, and don't be walking like we once did when we were in darkness. But we're going to walk in the light and find out what is acceptable to the Lord. It will be difficult for us to find out what is acceptable to the Lord when we are walking in darkness. Because we're telling ourselves that the things we're doing are okay by God. And if I'm telling myself that the things that are darkness are okay by God, how am I really going to find out what is acceptable to the Lord? So if we really want to find out what the Lord likes us to be doing, what is acceptable to Him, we need to be walking in light. So then verse 11, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. So we're to have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. It does not say that it matters whether the unfruitful works of darkness are done by those that are called Christians or not. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Now the word there for fellowship is only used three times in the New Testament, twice by Paul, once in the book of Revelation. And the word means to become a partaker together with others or to have fellowship with a thing. It's a compound word. It is the Greek word soon, which denotes a union with or together. It is a much closer union than some of the other words that are used in this way. Uh, by association, it means companionship, besides, or with. Rick Renner put this note on it. Something that is done in conjunction with someone else. Something that is done in conjunction with someone else. The next part of the word you all are probably very familiar with. It comes from the Greek word koinonia, but is just, I believe that is the verb form. This is the noun form. 
oneo, I'm sorry, koinon oneo, to share with others objectively or subjectively, to communicate, distribute, or to be a partaker. So together, well, this uh, another note on this one is to share in company. Rick Renner put this thing on it, something that is mutually shared. So something that is done in conjunction with someone else and something that is mutually shared. The words do have a lot of similar meaning, combining them. This is, uh, I guess, the best they could translate it here, is have no fellowship with. We are not to have any... Um, we are not to be mutually shared. We are not to go along with. We are not to be partakers with. A couple of the places where this word is used is Philippians 4.14. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Revelation 18.4 says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. So there is a uh, an association a camaraderie, and even if there is not a full participation in what the others are doing, the association will pull us into more of a camaraderie, more of a uh, uh, doing of these things than we need to be having. So that's why he's saying we should not be in there and uses this particular word. Weist makes this note on the word itself, the, com- the combined word, the word refers, refers to a joint participation between two or more individuals in a common interest and a common activity. Two or more individuals in joint participation in a common interest and a common activity. So he's saying, actually the way this is, is worded is, uh, stop it. Stop having fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Well, if he's been exhorting them quite a bit about not participating in the works of darkness, but walking as children of light, so they have been walking somehow as a child of, of darkness, even though they are a child of light. We need to make sure that we get out of that. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Now, the word here, unfruitful, not much to break down on this thing. Just about any place that you see the Word of God where it talks about fruit or being fruitful, this is the word that is being used, and it just puts the negative in front of it, which means being unfruitful. So when you talk, when you see Galatians talking about the fruits of the Spirit, here's where our word is. When it talks, when Jesus talks about uh, bearing fruit, or in the parables of bearing fruit, this is our word here. So it's a very common word for fruit, for being fruitful. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Whatever we're doing in darkness, there is no fruit from it. No spiritual fruit, no fruit that God would consider to be good. There are flesh fruits, but we, of course, don't want to have those. So have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. Now, when it says here expose, this is an interesting word here. For, for expose, and that, uh, well, let's, well, let's read over here in verse 13, because it's going to um, give us more light on it. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. <clears throat> now, all things that are exposed, exposed here 
comes from a word that means to admonish, convict, convince, tell a fault, rebuke, or reprove. This word involves a talking. When it says to expose, it's not just here to humiliate. It's not just here to shed, uh, to, to make people understand this. And so I really want to spend a little bit of time looking at how this word is used so you can get a feel of what it's talking about as far as exposure is concerned. Vines translates or defines this word as to convict, refute, confute, generally with a suggestion of the shame, same of the shame of the person convicted. Generally with a suggestion of the shame of the person convicted. There is sometimes shame involved when this word is used. You'll see this in some of the verses. Matthew 18:15 Moreover if your brother sins against you go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. The word there foretells our word expose. Expose here means bring to the light. Bring it to the light. That person may be doing something that they know is a work of darkness. They may be doing something that they don't know is a work of darkness. Don't ignore it. Go over there. If your brother sins against you, if he's done something that has uh, picked up a wrong attitude, a, a wrong action, born of the wrong spirit, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Now there you'll see that the uh, shame part is removed because we're doing this one-on-one. So we're not shaming in front of other people. But certainly between you and him, there might be some shame. If he hears you, have gained your brother. Luke 3.19, but Herod the Tetrarch being rebuked by him concerning Herodias. So when John comes in here to rebuke him, he doesn't do this privately. He doesn't do this without other people around because, of course, he's not going to get an audience with the king without other people being around. And he came and rebuked him concerning Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done. So he calls them out. He's exposing them by saying, you have done this. You have taken your brother's uh, wife. You have uh, done these evils. And he's naming what the evils are. He's bringing them to light. John 3.20, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Everyone practicing evil. People that are practicing evil, we don't want to come to the light. If you're going to go rob somebody's house, they generally try and do it at at night. We don't want the light coming down and shining on them. One of the defenses that we have to try and keep robbers away at night is we install floodlights. Lights that will come on with movement. Lights that will come on uh, at certain times. What it is to shine light on the areas where the people don't want to be seen. We want to bring exposure into it. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. John 8 and verse 9, then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one beginning with the oldest even to the last. This is when Jesus of course was writing in the sand. Each one being convicted. That word convicted there is our word exposed. What they were doing was brought to light. So they feel like when Jesus wrote whatever it was he wrote in the sand, that it spoke personally enough to them that it brought light to what they were doing and they felt exposed, they felt shamed, and so they just kind of walked away and left. Some of the pastors in the in the Word of God, he exhorts this way in 1 Timothy 5.20, those who are sinning rebuke in the presence of all. Our word there, rebuke, is our word for expose. 
rebuke in the presence of all, that the rest also may fear. So the intention of shame is very apparent in the context. Titus 1 and verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict. The word there, convict, is our word. Those who contradict, this testimony is true, therefore rebuke them sharply. The word there, rebuke, is our same word, that they may be sound in the faith. That's first uh, Titus 1, 9 and 13. One more from Titus 2 and verse 15. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. The word there for rebuke is our word. So three times we see it used here in Titus. I didn't pull out all the times this thing is used. I just wanted to see a sampling of what was done here so that you would get an idea of what this was. When it says to expose, it is talking about some kind of a confrontation, some kind of a telling, some kind of a speaking. Every time that we saw this word used in the other places, someone said something. It was the things they said that put the light on that particular uh, thing they were doing. It wasn't God just shining down some kind of a light from heaven and all of a sudden the sin is exposed. Someone said something. Someone stepped out and did this. So he... uh, Let's read that again. But all things that are exposed... All things that are exposed, all things that are brought uh, to the light, basically, are made manifest by the light. So it is the light that comes out and makes it manifest. Now, every time we saw this word used, someone was speaking, someone was saying something. So in order for that to hold up, someone needs to speak light. Someone needs to speak truth into that situation. And by speaking the truth, we bring light in there. The works of darkness are exposed. The works of darkness are seen. The word here for manifest means it was used of what is, excuse me, what was hidden or not seen. It is used of what was hidden or not seen being revealed. Jesus appearing after his death. You're going to see this, this use. So the times, I didn't go and get any of the verses on this because there's basically two groups of way this is, is used. Every time you see that Jesus made an appearance, it uses this word after his resurrection. Not, not before, but after his resurrection because that's when he was manifesting himself. Otherwise, he's just walking around. But when he was resurrected, he could be someplace and no one would see him. And then all of a sudden, people would see him because he manifested himself and that's when this word would be used. So you'll see that word used very often of Jesus when he's appearing after his death. Not before. But it's also used of what was hidden. Truths that were hidden just... Uh, not necessarily revealed. The light had not shown on these things yet. So light exposes the problem by bringing all things to the truth. That's how light does it. It's going to bring all things to the truth. Then it's up to us to deal with it. The light will come in. It will expose it. But then it's up to us to deal with that truth. If light comes in and exposes, this is something you're doing that is a child of darkness. Oh, okay, well, the light, light came in. Light didn't drive it away. I have to drive it away. I have to decide I'm going to go away from this thing. Light doesn't fix the problem. Light exposes the problem. It's just like if you were walking around in your house at nighttime and you could trip over something that was on the floor. Well, if you have a little flashlight or you turn a light on, that light exposes the problem. There's a toy. There's a piece of furniture. There's a... Uh, some kind of object, 
and the light shows it to you. But if you keep on going the same path that you were going on and don't correct that path because of the light, you're still going to trip over it. So that's where the, the analogy would come in. Light will expose the problem, but it's up to us to deal with it. So I see, all right, here's where the problem is. Now I go back to the Word. The truth shows me where the problem is. Now the truth also tells me how to deal with it, how to fix it, how to get that taken care of. Most times that I'm walking in darkness, light comes and shines something on me. It is either not convenient, it is not welcome, it is not desired, because I'm walking in something, I like this, I'm comfortable, there's reasons I've gone in this direction, and the light comes in and expects me to deal with it, but I gotta deal with it. It doesn't do, it doesn't take care of it for me. It just shows me. Now the world doesn't use light to expose. It goes for other things. It uses other things. It employs, I wrote down three things. You could probably uh, think on this for a little bit longer and come up with some other, some other areas. I, I left these in your outline, didn't I? Yeah, I thought so. I don't have to spend too much time on it. But it employs, first off, lies. Lies are, are set to reveal the insignificant while concealing the objective. A lie will come in. It will reveal something that is insignificant. Something that they don't care that you know about. For the purpose of concealing something, something uh, more. You know, it's just like if you came in and mom had made cookies. Did you eat any of those cookies? And I say, well, I had one. I didn't tell her. It also followed by another one and followed by another one and followed by another one. <laughs> See, I, <laughs> it's a lie. I revealed truth. I did have one. But I also had another one and another one and another one. So, so this is what a lie will do. It's trying to expose just enough truth to satisfy you that you won't continue to keep on going on and investigating. And that's what the world will try and do. And we've seen this how many times in how many situations where a little bit of truth will come out. Oh, oh, look at that. How bad that is that? And then to find out, oh, man, that wasn't even the tip of the iceberg. There was more that was going on with that. That's what they'll, they'll try and do. So lies are one way. They don't bring light in. We've got to keep away from the light because if I get too close to the light, it's going to expose us. Lies are there to reveal the insignificant while concealing the objective. Second thing is distractions to draw attention away. So they'll, they'll speak things that have not a, not a great amount of importance, but will seem to be of great importance. It seems like this is the big story. No, 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 we just want you distracted. We just want you to, to go on over here and to take a look at this and, uh, and not to see this, this thing over here. So even though this is bad, it would be worse if you saw this over here. So we're going to let this one go out, and that's what they'll do. Distractions to draw away. That's not how God goes. God does not try and reveal the insignificant while concealing the objective. He also doesn't distract to draw our attention away. If he wants something revealed, he puts his light on it. If he doesn't want his, it revealed, he doesn't put his light on it. Accusations, this is the third way. Accusations of others for the very things they are doing. 
we've spent time looking at this in the Word of God, but you just can you look through history. You look through the last year, two years, five years, 15, whatever it is. This is something that they'll, they'll do. Is it a side that is in, or people that are involved in evil will oftentimes accuse their enemies of doing the very thing that they are doing so that when it does come out of what they're doing, well, they're just trying to get back at us because we caught them doing it. So they, they know it's going to come out eventually. So if we head it out and we talk about, we accuse the other side of doing this, then when it does come out, we just say, ah, you know, they're, it's sour grapes and, or it's just old news. Or people are just used to that now. Well, okay, these things have gone on before. We don't like it, but that's how it is. So, accusations of others for the very things they are doing causes people to think the truth is just retaliation or, well, it's just no big deal. I mean, it used to be that if a, if a person running for political office had an affair, that was it. Now it's almost a resume enhancer. Because people just look at it, it's not a big deal. Everybody has affairs in, in politics. So, why do we care? Used to be a big deal. But not so much anymore. We don't necessarily need people to be... Uh, well, now, we don't, we don't care what they do in their private life. We just want to you know, see what they're doing when they're making decisions for the country or for the state or for the city or for whatever it is that they're, they're a politician for. Now, God is only light. The Word of God tells us that in Him is no darkness at all. So there is nothing in God to cover up, only not reveal. God cannot and will not cover up. He just won't reveal something. The difference on that is uh, sometimes we don't know to ask the question. In the, in the Old Testament, they thought Messiah was, was one coming. God knew it was two. God knew it was part A, part B. And there was a gap in between. But the people in the Old Testament didn't know this. When Jesus came along, they were expecting one Messiah, one coming, and that the kingdom will be set up after he goes. The disciples expected this. That's why this death was uh, very, very difficult for them to, to understand. You see, it was truth, but it just wasn't revealed yet. He hadn't shed his light on it. Once the light was shed, once it was under was put out, then Paul could take all his knowledge of the Old Testament for which he understood a single Messiah. Now the light comes. Oh, now I see where that Messiah was in two parts. I didn't see that before, but now he was able to, to see it. When the disciples were asked by Jesus, who do men say that I am? And you know the discourse that they had with all that, well, some say this and some say that. Well, who do you say I am? Well, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And so once that light was turned on, once they saw that, then he began to teach them along the lines in keeping with that. So uh, as we receive that light, we can then be exposed to other light and see other things that are, that are going on. But God is only light. There is no darkness in him, so he can't put darkness on a thing. All he does is not illuminate it. I'm not going to illuminate that, that area just now. We're going to keep that uh, 
that area there in in um, a place of of no light. And as soon as I'm ready, or as soon as you're ready, we're going to shine some light on that. It may be that uh, there's a calling that people have. Moses had a calling. He had some understanding of it, but he didn't have the full understanding of it. And as he got himself ready, then God was able to to step in and say, hey, we're moving in with, with this. Um, once he was able to receive light in a certain area, God could give him more light on that. And then once he received that light, then he was able to receive more light about the plagues. And uh, now here's the light on the plagues. The first one's not going to work. The second one's not going not to do it. We're going to be here. There's going to be ten plagues. You just stay with it. And so he began to, to hear these things and to learn these things and to go. And it's going to be the same thing in our life. God is light. There might be areas that we don't quite see yet, that we don't quite understand. But he doesn't supply light on what he's not yet ready to reveal. If, if he's not ready to reveal something, if I'm not ready to hear something, then that light does not get turned on over here. That light just stays off. Now the problem comes in is that some Christians won't accept that. Of course, nobody here, but you know other places. We feel like, well, there's something going on over here, and I want to know. But God's not willing to show, turn the light on for that just yet. So guess who's willing to turn the light on? This is where false doctrine comes. Oh, well, I think there's something over here. And God just simply says, it's not time for that yet. But the devil will come in and says, well, I'll give you light on that. And he comes in and gives light. And suddenly we have an illumination into an area that uh, it's not God's, the, God's illumination. But I feel like I pursued this in my spirit. I saw this in my spirit and uh, I just wasn't getting light on it. And so darkness came in and I took that darkness as light and this is how people get off. Make sure if God's not ready to shed the light on it, I'm not ready to hear it or God's just not ready to share it. Then if God's not ready to share it, then I just need to be content with that. All right, when you're ready, you let me know. You know, sometimes I'm pursuing something in the, in the Word. I feel like something is, is out there. I feel like, well, God, there's something over here. And, and I pursue it, but I'm not getting the answer in my spirit. And so I don't keep, I'll go after it for a little while, but then I just table it. I just put it, put it aside. Well, God, I, I'm not getting light on that, so I'm just going to go on over here. And I just kind of keep that back in there waiting. And eventually the time will come and God will say, here's the light. Ah, see, we can work hard, we can go after something, pursue it, pursue it, pursue it, and just not get there with it. And then all of a sudden, God turns the light on. It's like, oh, how did I miss that? Now I see it. It's much easier when the light gets turned on. But don't pursue these things before they're ready. If God is saying it's not time yet, all right. If it's not, you're saying it's not time yet, it's not time. Now, if we put our light under a bushel, as the Word of God talks about, if our light is hidden, it won't expose anything. We've got to make sure we keep our light out. At times, we're going to get around some people, and our light is making them feel nervous. It's making them feel a little uncomfortable. Are you holier than thou? <laughs> I'll call you all kinds of names on that. No, 
you're just walking in the light and uh, just your very presence. I'll give you this, this story. Remember Jesus when he walked into, the, uh, into um, Zacchaeus' house? And it doesn't even tell us anything in there. He, they're having any conversations convicting him of sin. But just Jesus' presence being in there just brought light into that. And he said, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. And he repented of uh, some of the things that he had done. Now notice when the, if you go back to the text and you look at it, Zacchaeus said, if I. Don't, don't assume that he was a, a straight-up thief. He was not a straight-up thief. He said, if I. Apparently, he, he tried to keep all his stuff above board. Otherwise, he said, everybody that I shorted, everybody that I overcharged, he would have just said it that way. But he didn't say it that way. He said, if I have, I'm going to actually go back on through and just make sure that I did actually charge them all the right way. And um, a lot of times people make the assumption that he was a thief, knew he was a thief. I don't know that that was the case. If it was, he would not have used, if I have, he would have known it. And if Jesus convicted him by his presence, I don't think he was uh, apt to, to tell a lie. <laughs> but he goes on here in this verse and he quotes the scripture. Let me get back to it. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light for whatever makes manifest is light. Whatever makes manifest, whatever exposes in the way that God does it is light. The world will bring some things out too. I used to uh, hear about about this, um, the White House would be, doesn't matter who's running the White House, this is what the White House does. You can go back 10 years, 20 years, whatever it is, this is what the White House does. If you ever watch that show called West Wing, you ever see that? They even put it inside that, so however long ago West Wing was, this is how long ago it goes, it goes back. It's called a document dump. Ever heard that? It's generally done on Fridays. Because if they can dump out a whole lot of things on Friday, the weekend, not as many people pay attention to the news, they can get something sensitive out, get it going through in the, on the weekend. By the time Monday comes along, it's old news. And they can, so they, they have what they call a document dump that the White House has done for many, many years. Trying to, uh, we have to bring this out to the light, but we're going to try and do it in such a way that it stays concealed or it doesn't uh, cause us any harm. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, for whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Now, this could be a quote from Isaiah 61. In fact, if you look at some of your margins, they may have Isaiah 61 as a note. But if you read Isaiah 60 and verse 1, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. It doesn't quite sound like a quote, does it? There's also some uh, supposition that it could be coming from Isaiah 26, 19. Or it could come from a hymn. Paul may be quoting a hymn that was based on one or both of these scriptures. But whatever it is, this is how he, he put it here in, the, in the, the scripture here. So it has become scripture. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. If you're going to walk in the darkness, you are going to basically be a Christian who's asleep. And he's saying to you, wake up. 
Wake up, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Not all Christians want to walk according to light. Not all Christians want the light to come to them. I want to walk in a little bit of darkness. I want to be able to walk in these things, these sins that I'm doing. I want to be able to say that this is okay, that God's okay with it. But the more darkness that you walk in, the less you are able to tell what God considers to be acceptable. If you can't tell what God considers to be acceptable, you sure can't tell what God considers to be good. Sure can't tell what God is considering to be beneficial. So get rid of your sin, he says, and imitate God. If we're asleep, we got no light. Our eyes are closed. We are basically blinded to the light until we wake up. Not everybody is, is, uh, is uh, like this, but as soon as the light comes out, I'm generally up. I don't necessarily like that, but that's the way, the way that it is. But when the sun goes down, I can go to sleep. I don't like being up late at night. Never have. Never have liked it. I like going to bed. If I had my way, I think I've mentioned it to you before. If I had my way, I'd go to bed 9, 30, 10 o'clock every night. I don't care what night it is. I go to bed 9, 30, 10 o'clock every single night. Get up at 4. I'd be happy. I would just, that would just be, that's my ideal day. But um, other people, they like to uh, go to bed at 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. And then get up later. I know better than that because I won't sleep past a certain time once the sun starts coming up. So, but it's all right. Wherever your your peak is, you are you function there. My peak is in the morning. I do my best stuff in the morning. Uh, uh, not so much at nighttime. I'm too tired and mine's groggy, and uh, it's not working so much for me. But you can know where your your time is. But when we're asleep, we have no light, even if you're sleeping when the sun's up, because your eyes are closed. But arise, get out from the midst, and you will receive it. Now, as we said, there's a difference between concealing and not revealing. God is not concealing things. He is just simply not revealing them. I am not going to bring this to the light. I am not going to bring this out so that, you can, so that my light comes on here and illuminates this because it's not time for this to be illuminated. This is here. We have it out, but it's not time to be illuminated. But he's not concealing it. He doesn't put it in a room and shut the door. He just doesn't let his light come on it. And if God's light doesn't come on it, you aren't going to understand it. I've got to have God's light on it. It's just like, uh, you know, if you put a black light on, on something, you'll see things completely differently. You, the colors will be, be off. You won't be able to make the uh, a right judgment on some of that. And there's other kind of lights that you can put out there as well. And it changes what it is that you see. Go back over to verses 6 and 7. He says, Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. The deception was done with empty words. These are words that have no truth. Without the truth, there is no light. Without the light, it's not bringing things to a, a place of understanding. I need to have God's light. Any other light will not bring the understanding that I need. I've got to have God's light. What does God's word say? What does God say about this thing that's going on? If I will reject 
not hearing from God on the thing and not waiting for God to, to give His light, there will be other revelations that will come to me. So be careful. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Those words that are empty, they have no truth in them. They have no light. We as children of light should be able to tell when words are empty. When words have no light. I should be able to hear them and say there's no light in that. It's not illuminating things the way God's word would. It's not illuminating things the way God's spirit would. I hear it, but it's not, it's not bringing that illumination. And the more I walk with God, the more I get into that. I, I, I'm, I'm so tied into this. As soon as I hear something, there's no light there. There's no light. And I can tell. I don't know why these words are empty, but I know they are. And I know when some, someone's trying to deceive me with these things. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. If you had somebody in court and they were, they were creating a, a fabrication, a lie for a testimony... It's the job of the lawyer to um, to bring it to light. One of the lawyer shows I love and watching reruns. I'll watch the reruns all the time. Matlock, love watching Matlock get up there and and to do that. And uh, you know he'll he'll let a person uh, towards the end of the show he'll let a person they'll go off and they'll they'll begin to give these explanations and I think he just kind of strings them along in a way so that they can they'll start to make an explanation for this and that will just hang them in the in the end. Because the words are empty. There's no truth to the words. So all we have to do is keep on bringing more truth out and bringing more truth out and bringing more truth out. And that's what they'll do in the court situation. Every time that you make something in your testimony, well, we're going to bring this truth out. How does this truth line up with what you just said? Oh, well, it's, then we try and come up with another lie to, to do this. And so then more truth comes out. How does that line up with how this is? And pretty soon... The words that you're speaking are seen to be completely empty because there's no truth in them. This is what the devil will try and do. He's going to try and throw out to you empty words through people. It might be about other, other folks. It might be about other Christians. It might be about other ministers. It might be about other people in your workplace. It might be about family members. It might be about God. But they will try and deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Whether you are one giving those or whether you're accepting them, there is some wrath that's coming your way. Stay out of it. So the deception was done with empty words. There was no truth. They purposely keep some things hidden while directing attention to what they desire to be seen and known. Here, look over here. If you have, if you've ever watched uh, magic tricks, magicians, their whole thing is, I need you to look over here and not see what I'm doing over here. And so that's what they'll, what's they'll, what they'll do. I think one of the most astounding things for me in the, in the magic uh, area, uh, years ago we used to watch that show, so that, uh, show that would be on to have the different acts. Um, I can't think of it now. Uh, it's been a while. I got kind of just strange and, and weird and we didn't enjoy it anymore. So we don't we don't watch it. But one of the things that would come on, one of the acts that they would have come on, and I still don't understand them, is the uh, quick change artist. Because I'm thinking, all right, I'm watching what you're doing. 
And I mean, it's a matter of one or two seconds and the whole outfit is, is changed. I think, no! <laughs> How does, I know standard magic tricks. I know the whole idea is, is illusion. The whole idea is to get you to look at one place when something else is going on over here. But what, what do you do with it? I don't know what you do with that. That is just one of those... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But that's, that's what the enemy, enemy wants to try and get you to do. I need you to look over here well, I'm fixing this thing up over here. And then, so you don't see it. They purposely keep some things hidden. I love watching little kids do magic tricks. Because they try and employ that same thing. I want you looking over here, but they have no idea how to conceal what it is they're doing over here. So you can see the whole thing. Of course, you just, you look the other way. And, uh, and that's, that's all fun. But that's the idea of deception. But God doesn't have to do that. He just doesn't put his light on it. As long as his light is not on that thing, you won't understand it. Daniel was one, he saw the truth in the Word of God. We go back and we read it and we're wondering, Daniel's a smart guy. How does he not figure this out? But he asks a question based on that and God sends him light. Now, he gave him a whole lot more light than he has questions for. But there were still some things that were unknown. But he saw, all right, I can see this, but I don't know what it means. I don't know what comes next. I don't know what, where we're going here. And so then more light was sent. And that's what God will do. He will send light when it's time. So trust in the things God reveals. Trust in the things that God reveals about your life. If God has not revealed certain things about your life, then trust him that he knows what he's doing. What is needed, he sheds light on. You remember um, um, Elisha? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, Elisha. The woman came, talking about her son, and he says, uh, "Just uh, I love the statement he made. God has not revealed it to me. He expects God to reveal everything to him. But when God didn't, you don't sense any hostility from him at all. He's not mad at God. He's kind of perplexed. Well, how is it that God didn't share, share this with me? All right, well, come on, something, what's going on? Tell me. She is upset and God has not revealed it to me. Just because God didn't reveal it to you didn't mean there was anything wrong with you. It didn't mean that you... Uh, did anything wrong or didn't pursue something? It may be, that may be the, the thing, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. If I don't have something, if God has not revealed something to me, I've just learned to, well, we just, we're okay. When I need to know it, I'll know it. I don't need to know it just yet. That's why when you uh, face a problem, you ask God for wisdom on it. What are you going to do? I don't know. I don't need to know yet. But when I need to know, God will tell me. And just walk in that. Have that trust. If you just speak those things out sometimes, just show God, I have trust in you. I am walking in the light. If I don't see it yet, it's because I don't need to see it yet. If I don't know it yet, it's because I don't need to know it yet. But when I need to know it, I'm going to. God will show it to me. And learn to have that trust in Him. If God has not revealed it, but another does, if something else comes along and reveals 
something, but God has not revealed it to us. But we feel that something else has come along. Do we, first off, distrust our God? Raise questions about Him? If God has not revealed something to me, but, but another does, another brings along a revelation, what does it cause me to do? Now, it may also get me to question the conclusions we are being led to make. And that's really what we should do. If another reveals something to me that God has not revealed to me, you can distrust your God, you can raise questions about your God, or you can, you can question the conclusions we are being led to make. You know, if you ever watch one of those uh, crime show TV shows, <clears throat> I like crime show TVs. I like the mystery that, that goes on. But sometimes they lead you to believe that a certain person did it early in the show. And if they lead you to believe that a certain person did it early in the show, what does that tell you? They didn't do it. <laughs> they didn't do it. Nope. Has to be somebody else. It's too early in the show. It's a two-hour crime drama. And we're only 45 minutes in. It can't be them. we got too much show to go. <laughs> now there, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to, to figure out. So that, but you know, question it. Question. If you're watching a Hallmark movie and the girl starts off with the guy, you are, uh, instantly know what? It's the wrong guy. It's not the right guy. If she starts out with him, he's the wrong guy. Don't take too long to figure all that out. And usually, the wrong guy, the wrong girl is always played by a similar character. There's certain ones that come in, I, I'll, I'll nudge my wife, certain one comes in, oh, I know he's the wrong guy because he's always the wrong guy. He's never the right guy. <laughs> we can just kind of figure those things out. But, if God has not revealed it to you, but so, but another does, where do you go? Now, you've seen this in the Word, very, oft, very often you've seen this in the Word, but I'll give you the most common one. In the garden, God revealed certain things to him, but he did not apparently reveal something that Satan told the serpent to reveal. In the day that you eat of it, you will become like gods. Well, God hadn't said that to us. God hadn't revealed that to us, that we would be able to know good and evil. Huh. And led them to distrust God. And led them to have questions about why God didn't reveal it. Instead, they should have questioned the conclusion they were being led to come to. The conclusion they were being led to come to? Tree is good for food. You want to taste it? You want to try it out? Go for it. They were being led to that conclusion. Don't follow after it. I've adopted that, of course, I've told you with the news media. If the news media wants me to come to a conclusion that a certain person is bad, I think they're good. If they want me to believe that a certain person is good, I think they're bad. If they wanted me to come to the conclusion that it's going to rain tomorrow, I'm thinking it probably won't. Whatever the conclusion they want to lead you to, I generally go the other, other direction. Keeps me uh, thinking on these things and and not just uh, not just relaxing and just receiving what they what they want us to say or want us to think. Don't do it. The enemy is sly. He is he is subtle. 
He gets us to engage in certain acts of darkness so that He can bring darkness into our life. When He brings that darkness into our life, we're not walking in all the light that we should. When we're not walking in all the light that we, sh- that we should, things are not revealed to us that would otherwise be revealed. We can't see things. We can't understand things. We can't interpret things that are going on. And then we begin to have questions about why this happened in our life, why this happened in someone else's life, why this went on over here. We begin to question God. We begin to question His motives. We begin to question His truth. Before long, He's got us going down the wrong path. So this is what Paul is, is laying out here for us. This is the enemy's tactic. He's done it since early on. He will continue to try and do it to you. Don't let him do it. Understand the tactics. If we can be smart enough to know in a Hallmark movie who's the wrong guy, if we can be smart enough to know in a detective show who didn't do it, if we can be smart enough to figure those things out, we ought to be able to figure out in life, walking in the light, what darkness is. And I think God sometimes looks up there and says, how can you not see the darkness? How can you not see the evil that is present in these things. Father, I thank you for the help that you give us in life. That you are light and in you is no darkness at all. You do not cover up things. But you wait to the right time to reveal them. Help us to develop that trust of you. That if we don't know a thing yet, it's just not something we need to know. But the time will come when we need to know it. And then it will be revealed. Help us just to learn to rest in the knowledge that you care for us, that you're watching over us. And whatever you don't tell us, we just don't need. But the enemy is always going to try and get us to pursue something that we don't need. Because if he can get us to pick it up, he'll get us to walk in the light of that. And that will hinder us and hold us back. But you give us light, we walk according to your light, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.